The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. This series is uh, was designed by Pastor Matt, and uh, so it's little baby tiny verses with big, huge impact. And so I have my verse that I'm going to share this morning. Before we do that, raise your hand if you did the handout from the previous week, from last week. You did the handout. Ushers are coming by to give you some really great treats. So keep them up till they, they get to you and you get your free treats for doing the handout. We got another one this week. It should be on your... Is it on your chair? You know it's not. Well, that's my mistake. My verse is found in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6b. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to the Old Testament and find the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, It's not in the beginning. It's not at the end either, but it is closer to the beginning. And uh, find 1 Samuel 30, looking at verse 6 and part B. So it's the second part of verse 6. And it says this. David strengthened himself... In the Lord his God. Now, this is the kind of verse that you read over and you think, oh, okay, good, great, good, whatever. It's not something that really jumps out and grabs you. And if you don't really know the significance of it, then you just move on and read on in the story and think nothing of it. But this tiny little event, way, way back, actually changed the whole world. And I want to explain this to you so you can see the significance of this tiny little event. This little verse changed the whole world. It happened in David's life, King David, happened in his life around 1000 BC. We don't know exactly when, scholars disagree, but somewhere around 1000 BC, this happened In King David's life, he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So listen to this. March 17th, 2015, Benjamin Netanyahu was elected prime minister of the nation of Israel. That event was 3,015 years after this event in David's life. May 14, 1948, Israel becomes a free nation once again. That event occurred 2,948 years after this event in David's life. Now listen to this. On the last night of Passover, you understand what Passover means? If you don't, you can Google it. On the last night of Passover, at midnight... April 30th, 1945, Adolf Hitler commits suicide in an underground bunker in Berlin. Now that has got to have a message in there from God to the Jews. 
that on the very last night of Passover, Hitler kills himself, but not before 67% of all the Jews in the world are systematically murdered by the Nazis. January 30, 1933, the Nazi political power led by Adolf Hitler takes power in Germany, and the first wave of the final solution is implemented by Hitler. This occurred 2,922 years after this event in David's life. 1917, the British, under the commander of General Allenby, captured Jerusalem from the Ottoman Empire. This occurred 2,917 years after this event in David's life. Are you seeing a pattern? Jerusalem is conquered nine different times by different nations over the next 653 years. Until 1187 A.D., when Salah Adin captures Jerusalem from the Crusaders after he won a battle in Hatim. This happened 2,187 years after this event in David's life. Then in 1099 A.D., answering the call of Pope Urban II to liberate the Holy Land from the Muslims, the army of the Christian pilgrims and the knights conquered Jerusalem. 30,000 Muslims and Jews are slaughtered within three days of carnage. This occurred 2,099 years after this event in David's life. In 691 AD, 53 years after the Muslims retake Jerusalem, the Dome of the Rock is built on top of the ruins of the old Jewish temple built by Solomon. It's regarded by the Muslims as a holy place because they consider it the departure point for Prophet Muhammad's night journey where he went and visited with Allah. Jews also consider this a very sacred point in Jerusalem because they believe it's the location where Abraham went to sacrifice his son Isaac and God intervened. For the Christians, it's significant because the Golden Gate, there are Numerous gates, I believe eight gates that go into the city of Jerusalem. The Golden Gate was closed off at that time, sealed off by the Muslims because they did not want the prophecy to be fulfilled that the Messiah would return through the Golden Gate into Jerusalem. So all of this occurred 1,691 years after this event took place in David's life. Then we come to 31 AD. Jesus of Nazareth Nazareth, is crucified by Pontius Pilate just outside the eastern gate of Jerusalem, 1,031 years after this event in David's life. Then Jerusalem is conquered four more times until Alexander the Great conquers the Persians in 333 B.C., This happened 667 years after this event in David's life. Then in 721 B.C., the Assyrians conquer all of Israel, send 10 of the 12 tribes into exile. And this happened 219 years since this event 
in David's life. Then, finally, in 924 B.C., just 76 years from this event in David's life, Solomon's foolish son, Rehoboam, caused the nation to divide into two separate kingdoms. Ten tribes of the north go with Jeroboam. Two tribes remain faithful to David's line to fulfill God's prophecy that David's kingdom would have no end and that Jerusalem was a holy city chosen by God. And then finally, in 950 B.C., Solomon builds the holy temple in Jerusalem. He places the Ark of the Covenant in the temple, and the presence of God fills the temple so powerfully that nobody can stand up or do their work or lead worship or anything. They're overcome by the presence of God. That event happened 50 years after this event in David's life. Why all the history? Because I wanted you to see how significant this event is in David's life. He encouraged himself in the Lord, and now you see that that set apart, that set in motion a whole series of events throughout history that changed the whole world. And to show you how big of an impact this little verse has. One has to wonder, if this event didn't happen the way it did, if it turned out differently, how that would change all those other events that played out in history. So what are we talking about here? This can't simply be just that David encouraged himself. The story can't be just about that. And so to understand exactly what we're talking about in light of all this history, you have to go a little bit further back. So we go back just a little bit further to the beginning of chapter 30. So if you're following in your own Bible, look at 30, verse 1. It says, three days later, when David and his men arrived home to their town of Ziglag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag. They had captured Ziklag and burned it to the ground. He carried off all the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, Ahinuam and Jezreel, and Abigail, the widow of the Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all of his men were bitter about losing their sons and daughters and they began talking of stoning him. So understand, David was given Ziglag as a base of operations. Saul is still king, but Samuel has prophesied over David and anointed him as king. So David is about to become king. He's given Ziglag as a city to operate. So he operates his leadership from that city. It, it was a very strategic location within the nation of Israel for him to lead from. And then tragedy hits. 
And that's how it works in life. Tragedy strikes. It doesn't come up slowly with a warning. Looking back, we see all the warning signs. We can connect the dots. But when it initially happens, it's a strike. It's a shock. Tragedy strikes David. He loses everything. Can you imagine that? I mean, think about that for a moment. You lose everything you own. You've got the shirt on your back. You lose your family and all of your relatives, all of them, gone. And you have absolutely nothing left. You also have to realize who took it. See, the Amalekites were terrorists. These people were so ruthless and evil that they had no regard for human life. They would kill women and children on the spot. And they were so evil that God declared he was going to wipe them off the face of the earth. There would be no memory of them whatsoever. No sign that they ever lived on the face of the earth. God was going to kill them all because they had no regard for life. So David knew that his family was taken by somebody equal to ISIS or some terrorist group. And they had known these people cut people's heads off. They raped them. They killed them. They tortured them. And all his family members have been taken by this group. Now, we're not just talking about you lose your job you get in a wreck, you break your foot playing golf. You know, this is a terrible, terrible moment in David's life. He is rock bottom. This is despair, hopelessness, fear, deep, deep sorrow. And, and to make matters worse, after he had cried to the point where he couldn't cry anymore, his guys turn on him. He's betrayed by his, his the, only, the, only, the last remaining loyal people he had in his life. They, they think, all right, it's his fault. Let's kill him. And all of history hangs in the balance. I wonder if at that moment, Ziglegs burned to the ground. The Malachites have everything. David and his men have wept. And now they've got stones in their hands, and they're going to stone David. And there he is, all alone in that moment, and the angels in heaven and the demons, they pause. And they wait. What is David going to do? Was he going to do what most men do? When they face such difficulty, give in to the despair, kill himself. Don't wait for them to stone you, just kill yourself. Turn this despair into rage and blame everyone but yourself. Hold your fist up to heaven and curse God and blame him for the pain and the tragedy. Bury yourself in alcohol and drugs and anything to numb the sorrow. 
turn to witchcraft and sorcery and look for answers in evil places. But David did none of that. He did none of that. He was all alone, completely alone, on the face of the earth. No one was in his court. No one he could call and say, hey, can you pray for me? I'm really going through a hard time right now. I need some support. No place to look, nothing to grab onto. There was nothing. He was completely alone. This terrible, tragic moment. So what did he do? He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David turned to God. When he could see nothing, when life came to a complete dead end, he turned to God. And in doing so, set into motion a series of events that changed the whole world. Why? Because there's a principle here that most people miss when they look at this. They miss this principle. You see, God allowed Ziglag to burn. David and his men were off chasing the Philistines. They were on a conquest, battle, fighting off Israel's enemies. The Amalekites knew that and came in behind. And God allowed it. Burned everything to the ground. Why? Why? Isn't that the greatest question? Why, God? Why would you allow this unbelievable tragedy to hit my life? Why are you taking away from me everything that's dear to me? Allowing me to be wounded and hurt so deeply. God, why? And his answer is five chapters later. A very short period of time. You go ahead into 2 Samuel in chapter 5 and you see what happens David goes to a place, a city, and God says, David, capture this city. I'm giving it to you. This will be a holy city. And he called it Jerusalem. It means city of peace, ironically. We also call it the city of David. So the principle here is this. You can never have Jerusalem as long as Ziglag still exists. That's the principle we miss. Sometimes God wants to bring you to a dead end so that he can take you to somewhere a whole lot better. You know, either sit back and allow the circumstances to take shape themselves or he'll have a hand in it, but he will do it so that that comes to an end so that Jerusalem can come about. Most men miss their God dream because in their moment of grief, they turn away from God. They blame him. They curse God. In their day of loss and grief, And hopelessness, they did not do what David did, and so they do not get their Jerusalem. See, God's dream of Jerusalem as a city of peace is still a work in progress, right? But one day, the Bible promises us that one day, the king of kings 
will return to Jerusalem. He will bust open the golden gate and walk through that as the prince of peace and rule and reign on earth for a thousand years and his kingdom will have no end. As it happens, Jesus is a direct descendant of David. Who could have imagined that on David's worst day, he would make a decision that would reverberate through all of time? Only God. So let's reflect for a moment on this tiny little verse. Let me ask you, what will you do when your zigzag burns? Will you be like so many before? Or will you be like David? When everyone around you is completely fallen apart, will you find strength in the Lord your God? My guess is that you won't. (laughs) My guess is that you won't respond like David. Unless you live like David lived. You see, David responded out of what he knew, not out of what he hoped for. In that moment, when everything is lost, it's total tragedy, David responded out of what he knew. And what he knew was that God is good. And God is the only place you go in times of tragedy. God is the only place you go when you need help because he knew that he had already gone there a thousand times. A thousand times before that, he had already trusted God. He had already leaned upon God. He had already thrusted all of his hope on God. And so he had that within him. And when he was in that moment where he needed it most, it was there for him. And unlike all the other men who were ready to kill him or blame God, he found strength in the Lord. David responded out of what he knew, not out of what he hoped for. He knew God was good. He knew that God could be trusted. He'd been trusting God for years. David knew God was the answer. He knew that God was faithful, that God would always be there and never forsake him or leave him He knew that there was nothing else he could do but to throw himself at the feet of his God. He lived a life of faith. And it gave him what he needed in his darkest moment. Nobody knows how you will respond when you lose everything, not even you. But I know this. I know how you can respond today. Choose faith. Begin to trust the Lord for the little things in your life. You know, that's why giving giving to the ministries of the church is so important, so vital to you. Because that's an act of trusting God. I mean, you work hard for that money and you're giving it away. Everybody else would say that's stupid. Give away money you don't need. Definitely don't give away money you need. 
But it's an act of faith, isn't it? You're trusting God in those little moments so that when the big moments come, you've got the faith that you need. What you can do today is you can start spending time with God every day. Develop that relationship with him every single day. Never go one day of your life ignoring the Lord. Always inviting him. him. Set a time aside to study and read the Bible. You see, this is how David lived. He lived in the scriptures. He lived in that relationship with God. And when that moment came, when all of history hung in the balance, was the one person who made the right choice. I'd be willing to bet, because I know it's true of my family, that there are family members that have gone before you that failed on this. When they hit their moment of tragedy, they turned to all kinds of things, but not to God. And because they did that, you now struggle. It's affected you. It's affected your life. Because it's generational. It passes on. So now it's your turn, and what will you do when it hits you? Will you break that curse? Will you turn to God? So that when your kids face those things, they crush right through successfully because you laid the foundation for it. Who knows? Listen to me. Who knows? Maybe your response will set into motion a series of events that change the whole world. Jeremiah said that God has plans for you and they're plans to prosper you and to bless you. And it's so true. But you'll miss out on it if you can't get through the really hard times. Getting through those hard times brings you from what was may have been good or may have been bad, I don't know. There was really nothing wrong with Ziklag. It was a good place to be, but it wasn't God's dream. It wasn't God's plan. God had no plans for Ziklag. He had plans for Jerusalem, holy city, a city that would become the focal point of the whole world continuously without end, and that it has. You tell me one other city in the world that is of more significance to the world than Jerusalem, and there is no point in history when that has not been the case. It is now, it will continue to be, and it happened because one man in his point of utter loss and tragedy Turn to God. So maybe yours isn't going to change the whole world like David. But maybe it'll change your grandkids. 
Maybe it'll change your kid's future. Maybe it'll change even your great-grandkid's future. And although you walk through a thousand trials, they walk through just a few because of what you did 75 years before. 